Almighty God. And I'm going to pause there because you are almighty and you are God. If we can't get past that, we've got nothing. If we don't recognize that, we have nothing. So Lord, help me today. Uh, stand in my shoes. Give me your thoughts. Speak with my mouth so that your, this is your message for your people, not my message for them. Give us eyes to see what you want us to see, ears to hear what you want us to hear, and most importantly, Lord, hearts to receive what you want us to receive, whether it be encouragement, hope, conviction, correction, or just a change in our own attitude. Whatever you have for us, Lord, that is what we want. We want your will, not ours. In Jesus' name, amen. The Psalm, Psalm 34, reads like this. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glory, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The poor man, and just so you know in the Hebrew, it's the, the Hebrew people saw rich people as being blessed by God and so the poor were less blessed. Maybe they were paying for something that maybe God, it wasn't a local call for them. They had roaming charges. So it kind of says here, even the poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear, uh, who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the, fears of the, the fear of the Lord. And you see a theme there with the fear of the Lord. We'll get to that in a minute. Whoever, whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from, seeking, or from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the whole earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones, not one of them will be broken. Evil will, will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The, 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 Lord redeems, uh, his, the Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Now, the second to the last verse there, evil will slay the wicked. The way Eugene Peter, Peterson says is the wicked commit slow suicide. So just so you know, that this is one of the few times in scripture where it is evil that is the problem for the wicked and not God. When we think about Pharaoh's armies, you know, the, how, or Pharaoh and how he was treating the, the enslaved people of God, um, God sent Moses and God did mighty acts and God was the one that smited Pharaoh. God was the one that brought the Red Sea down on Pharaoh's army. If you look throughout, throughout the whole Exodus and whenever they came, they were embattled, um, God was the one who, who, who brought calamity to the wicked ones. But here it says that evil will slay the wicked. 
So how, how is that? Well, have you heard the, the idiom, um, you reap what you sow? Or what comes around, goes around? This is David's way of saying, look, if you're, <clears throat> if you're living for yourself, if you're living, <coughs> excuse me, if you're living selfishly and not selflessly, if you are, if you're doing whatever your body, whatever the flesh desires, if you're only looking out for number one, all those kind of ways that we put things, um, if that's how you're living, you will get what's coming to you. You will reap what you sow. So if I'm saying to God, you know what, I know you're there, but nah, I don't really want, I'm gonna do it my way, the old Frank Sinatra song, I did it my way. I'm gonna do it my way, I'm gonna live my way, I'm gonna do the thing I wanna do, I'm gonna, that's how I'm gonna behave, then the Lord is allowing me to be as miserable as I wanna be. And that, those choices are already playing out in my life. I will get what I deserve. Now here's the beautiful thing about the next verse. The next verse says, the Lord redeems his servant. We don't have, there's not many, are there still paper coupons? Okay, there are, good. Because otherwise it's gonna make no sense if it's just a phone thing that you get. In. Um, and I don't know if it's coupon or coupon, but if you say coupon, when I say coupon, I mean the same thing. Okay, so used to have, like when I was in college, I, when I got a Kraft macaroni and cheese box um, in, that I put on a hot plate in my dorm room that I wasn't supposed to have, um, but I, there's a coupon on the back, 25 cents off the 99 cent thing. So that's 25% off, that's pretty good. So I cut it out with my little scissors or my knife and I would take it to the store and I would redeem it. You know what that means? It means they buy it back from me. So if you look on the backside of a coupon in very fine print that my eyes are too weak to, 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 to read anymore without significant magnification, it will say something like there, like the actual value of this coupon is, is, is with dollar sign point zero 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 two cents. That's, that's what, it's not even worth the paper it's printed on or the cardboard stock. But if I take it to someone and they see what's, what's shown on the front, and it says 25 cents off, they buy it back from me with a credit of 25 cents on my thing. Now that's a small coupon, but that's what it means to be redeemed. It's to be bought back. So if the Lord redeems his servants, that means that he had to buy us back. What did he have to buy us back from? Wickedness, sin. In fact, the Heidelberg Catechism says that he did all this to, to to deliver us or to rescue us from the tyranny of the devil. And who is the devil? The devil is the one who always does only what he wants. And it's always for himself, it's never for others. And no matter what he tempts you with, he wants to glorify himself or at least to steal glory from God. So we need to be, we, if we are redeemed, if, we, if he redeems his service, it means we have to be bought back from what is already true. We're already dead in sin. I hate to talk about it, but it's true. We're already dead. But we're not yet paying the price for that. And so he delivers us, he buys us back, and he sets us here so that we no longer get what we deserve. We now get what we don't deserve. We go from the need for mercy or judgment. We either get judgment or we get mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And then we get put upon us grace, which is we get what we do not deserve. That is the whole, that's the gospel of the, 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 
the ministry of reconciliation that Christ came to do was to do just that, to buy us back so that we no longer get what we deserve. That's awesome. So the wicked, if I'm living for self, then it's going to be a slow death, but I will get what I have coming. But God makes it so that we're redeemed, we're bought back, so now we get what we don't deserve, so that you don't have to stand before God and say, look what I've done. In fact, none of us would do it. We would go, you know what I've done, right? But now we get to stand before God and say, look what you've done. Your son did this for me. In fact, and I'm going to give you a real strong theological word here. He puts on us righteousness. It's called imputed righteousness. Now, righteousness is just faithfulness and perfection. So in all my junk, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Okay? No one is good, not even one. The wages, what I earn from sin is death, eternal separation from God. That is what I deserve. And I can't stand before God and say, hey, how good I am. So I, uh, if I'm over here and he's redeemed me, then he has given me imputed righteousness. Here's the, here's the theological definition of imputed righteousness. God takes his righteousness and onto you. See that technical term? Some kind of Hebrew there. He infuses it onto into, through, and beyond you. So that you, when God looks at you, he no longer sees what you deserve and what you've done. He now looks at you and sees what he's done through the person, the sacrifice, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He arrested death so it doesn't take us any longer. It's a glorious thing, but how? How do we appropriate that benefit that God offers us? How do we allow him to redeem us? Well, one of the, one of the attitudes we're supposed to have is gratitude. This whole, this whole thing is giving glory to God, thanking him for what he's doing, what he's done, reminding us, all of us, that no matter how much you have or how little you have, that God hears you. And the approach that we should have to the Lord is to fear him. But we also hear in scripture that 365 times throughout the Bible, we're told, don't be afraid, fear not, or we're asked, why are you afraid? So what's the difference? Why, if, we're, if we're not supposed to be afraid, but we're supposed to fear the Lord, three or four times in this passage, it tells us to fear the Lord, to fear the Lord, fear the Lord, fear the Lord. What, what's the difference between terror and the fear of the Lord? Well, in Hebrew and Greek, the word for fear of the Lord, that, that fear, comes from the same root word as honor. And if you want to know what honor means, because it's not something we, we don't have an honor-based culture, we have a merit or accomplishment-based culture. So if you want to know what honor means, it, 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 in, in a root sense, if I promise to love and honor my wife, if I honored her every day, it means that every time she walks in the room, I would fall on my knees and go, oh, to be in awe. And I don't do that every time, just three times a week. <laughs> um, but to, to, to be thinking perpetually that I know that, sh that, that in almost every relationship, one person has to settle and Lynn had to settle. I married up. Okay, now if you take, take, that, take that idea and multiply it. In the beginning, God created. There was nothing and then God spoke a word and there was something. From chaos came order. From order came land and sea. From, from land and sea came plants and animals. And from plants and animals. And then there's dirt. And from dirt, he made you. 
He, in the beginning, God created. God created. And that God, the one who is responsible for everything, the one who made everything, the one who is everywhere all the time, he's almighty, he pays attention to you. Should that not blow our minds? The scripture says, what is man, humanity, that you, God, are mindful of us? We're told that our, that our life is like grass that grows up in the morning and by afternoon is withered. We're a blink of an eye in the, in the, in the course of eternity, but God listens to every single prayer. God knows every time your many troubles. It says trouble, trouble, many trouble, 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 many trouble, all through this psalm. He knows about every one of them. He pays attention to every one of them, but if we come to him like a spoiled child, stomping our feet saying, I don't like it, I want it, it's supposed to be easier, then we're not exercising honor toward God. We have to remember that God is God, and we're not. And if you look around the world today, you'll see ingratitude everywhere. We'll see people looking for ways to be insulted. And then, and then those same people will look for ways to insult someone that didn't mean anything by what they said. And so we're living for self and we're not fearing God. And I'm not condemning the culture. The only people that are gonna fear the God that made them are the ones that know him, the ones that choose to be his, the ones that choose to appropriate upon themselves the, 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 that which we can't do ourselves. We're either gonna get what we deserve, we're gonna end up miserable by being ungrateful and by being victims all the time, or we're going to say, Lord, I, don't, I made a mess of it. Make me right. It's a glorious thing. Listen, listen to how David approached David was just about killed by a king. He, God gave him the idea to make himself look insane, and he, and he got away. And look at how he said, he says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted, if you're having many troubles, if it's ugly, if it hurts, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. It's gratitude. It's praise. It's honor. It changes everything. And I don't know what it is in your life that it seems like God is saying no to. I know what it is in mine. Since September 11, 2018, I've been prayed the same prayer about the same person, someone that I love deeply that has walked away from their faith. And so far, God has either said no or not yet. What's my response supposed to be? Praise. Gratitude, not that my will isn't getting done, but that his will is. So even though I don't get my will, what I desire, at least yet, trusting that God is God and I'm not, and that's in some weird, mysterious way, he knows better than I do. When, how, and if the person I love will come back in the faith. What about you? What's the thing that it feels like God's not giving you so you get angry with him or you get frustrated with him 
or you stop talking about him or stop talking to him. See, over and over and over again here, we're told that the poor man has troubles and he's delivered from them. The righteous will have many troubles, but God will deliver them. When is that gonna happen? I have no idea. But I do know this, that all of Christianity is about the already and the not yet. The kingdom of God has been established when Jesus walked this earth, already. It is not yet fulfilled. It's already promised and the down payment has already been made in the person of Jesus that he'll wipe away every tear, no more disease, no more pain, and he, he healed lepers and he healed, he healed paralytics and he healed invalids and he, he, he took demons out of people. So we already see that he's good, good on his word, but we still, not yet, do we experience that, that idea of no more tears, no more disease, no more harm. But because he put a down payment on it, on that redemption, we can know that we can trust that he will carry out the not yet will be. So in your life, there's some things, I guarantee it, that are already. And there are some things that are not yet. Who's best at handling the space between already and not yet? You? Not according to this idea that the wicked who only look for themselves will be eaten up by evil. God is the one capable of handling the distance between already and not yet. In your life, in the lives of those you love, no matter how many times you've been betrayed, no matter how many times you've been disappointed, no matter what pain you're suffering, no matter what disease or ailment you have, no matter what diagnosis has come your way, and yes, one of these diagnoses may be what takes you from life to death to everlasting life because he does not take away all the troubles all the time. But he will work in them. He will work through them. And I have to learn some things that I don't want to learn, but they're things that God wants me to learn. How about you? Is your life full of gratitude and praise? And if it is, I bet it's better than it would be if it was about how wronged you are and how bad you have it. This isn't just an attitude adjustment. The scuba divers, when they, when sometimes they get, because they're neutrally buoyant with their weights on, they're underwater, they get, they get, if the water gets murky, they get confused about which way is up. How do they get back to the surface? You know what they teach them? Follow your bubbles. Bubbles are always gonna go toward the surface. So as you're breathing out, exhaling, and you don't know which way is up, and I know it's hard to believe that, that you can get that disoriented, but it's true. Same thing with pilots with the horizon. If the things aren't just right, they, they will drive their, they will fly their plane into the ground if they don't trust their instruments, but follow the bubbles. The bubbles always go up. And so no matter what happens in your life, no matter how it gets that way, no matter what your many troubles are, and all of us have them, follow the bubbles. It's not an attitude adjustment, it's an altitude adjustment. We've got to go up. Trust him even when it looks like we shouldn't. That's called faith. Let me read Eugene Peterson's version of this and you'll see that what we've been talking about sounds familiar now. I bless God every chance I get. My lungs expand with his praise. I live and breathe God. If things aren't going well, hear this and be happy. Join me in spreading the news. Let's, uh, together, let's get the word out. God met me more than halfway. He freed me from my anxious fears. Look at him. 
Give him your warmest smile. Never hide your feelings from him. When I was desperate, I called out and God got me out of a tight spot. God's angel sets up a circle of protection around us while we pray. Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. Worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. Young lions on the prowl get hungry, but God seekers are full of God. Come, children, listen closely. I'll give you a lesson in God worship. Who out there has a lust for life? Can't wait each day to, to, to come upon beauty? Guard your tongue from profanity. And no more lying through your teeth. Turn your back on sin. Do something good. Embrace peace. Don't let it get away. God keeps an eye on his friends. His ears pick up every moan and groan. God won't put up with rebels. He'll call them from the flock or from the pack. Is anyone crying for help? God's listening, ready to rescue you. If your heart is broken, you'll find God there. If you've been kicked in the gut, He'll help you catch your breath. Disciples so often get into trouble. Still, God is there every time. He's your bodyguard, shielding every bone. Not even a finger gets broken. The wicked commit slow suicide. They waste their lives hating the good. God pays for each slave's freedom. No one who runs to him loses out. Here's a psalm written by David, who was a king, who's trying to encourage us. And we kind of lift up some heroes of the faith, but David was, you know, we like, he was king. God picked him. He took that thing and spun it around and knocked down Goliath. He was the least of the brothers, and God picked him, and, and everything just went well for David. David was a murderer. He sent Bathsheba, who he was an adulterer with, he sent Bathsheba's husband off to war and put him out in front and then had the people retreat, the, the soldier retreat so he would die. David was so, God was so upset with David that he allowed the child that he conceived with Bathsheba to die. Yet God called him a man after his own heart. He called David friend. And no matter what you've done, no matter what you've thought, no matter what you should have done that you didn't do or that whatever you shouldn't have done and you did do, God calls you friend. And every time you mess up, he's gonna be there. Every time you get knocked down, he's gonna pick you up. Every time, he will never stop. And he will never, he will never make you pay, never make you get what you deserve because he has paid for you and he's made you new. The old is gone, the new has come and it's already true and not yet true. Walk with him through the not yet or be miserable, be ungrateful, be all about yourself, and your life will prove me right. Because my life has proven David right. I've done it wrong, see only the negative, and I lose God in that. How do you find God? Walk toward him, not away. Psalm 34, let's pray. Lord God Almighty. Three words that will never be said of any of us. Lord God Almighty. And yet you're mindful of us. 
no matter how many times we mess up, no matter how many times we're hurt, no matter how many times we've hurt other people, you're there ready to pay the price again so that we don't have to. Lord, that should blow us away. And I hope this week you'll remind each of us how good we have it, if for no other reason, because Lord God Almighty cares about me. Lord, as we sing another song and worship you, transform us so that the benefit of Jesus through praise is appropriated to us. In Jesus' name, through the power of the Spirit, for the glory of God our Father, we pray. Amen.